Welcome to Good Christian People, an honest conversation between church leaders who recognize we're not perfect, we're barely good, but we want to be great. On today's episode, it's Josie's birthday, and we don't do anything to celebrate it. I have pet news, and we flip tables wrestling with the difficult topic of Christians and violence. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Good Christian People. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Good Christian People, the podcast. The podcast. Podcast. Episode 41. Uh, which is your age, right? Uh, no. No. I thought no. you were 41. Yon, Get out. Yonju itchy? Y'all feel itchy? I'm not very itchy. Yonju no. itchy. That's that's what I'm going to stick with. Scratch scratch where you itch. Where, what language is that? That's Japanese for 41. Okay, what was, last last week you were Hindi. Hindi. Yeah. There are lots more languages than yeah. we will ever hopefully <laughs> than <laughs> yeah. we will ever put out for, for podcast episodes. Yeah. But uh, this is this is and like now we can be classified as educational. Is that right? Yeah. I mean informational we're not just I don't know like how Doubt would you it. I guess we're I mean obviously we're a Christian podcast, but would you what other tag would you use? Uh cure for insomnia. <laughs> I would have just said combative. I was hoping for comedy, but um, you jerks. I made you laugh. Yeah, no, you did. I mean, but it was like a sad laugh. It's not hard, really. It's not. Yeah. It's not. I laugh. Most of my laughs are fake. So mm-hmm. that people who are listening along will be like, oh, I guess that was supposed to be funny. <laughs> when, Here, listen to this. When we all know. Don't. <laughs> Come on. Made him laugh. That's rough. That's an awkward laugh. That's Are a we week. in middle we're, school? We're 41 episodes in before. No, well, we told fart jokes before. We told the fart story about you at. No, oh, when we were during COVID. That sure, was yeah. a real oh, laugh. Yeah. That right. was a real laugh. Yeah. Anyway, boys, What's episode going on? 41. It's uh, it's rainy. It's nasty out. No, it's it's rainy for the first time in like over two weeks. It's good rain. Yeah. Good rain. My car is starting to look less green. Oh, yeah. It's been pollen. I mean, we haven't even been able to get the pollen off. Yeah. And I'm not one of those guys who is going to pay to spray my car to get rid of the pollen. So yeah. yeah. So I'm a guy who pays to spray our car with uh, pollen. Um, we we did the mm-hmm. um, the membership, the local uh the local car wash but it's the kind where it's like unlimited washes Mm -hmm. which is like 20 bucks a month or something oh i wish that was the price so anyway okay they do it inside and outside too so they do a good job should we have a talk now about disposable income no okay i'm I'm disposing of it pretty well yeah that's fine just don't ask me for a raise ever again i know well i mean (laughs) look I heard someone in this church once say, uh-huh. God likes nice things, which uh-huh. I don't think is theologically no. accurate. No. But my wife was, uh, she got a, she got a, a nice uh, raise at her job and, and she had been driving around an old car for a while. Mm-hmm. And so we upgraded. And so we're, we're trying to take good care of it. Did I tell you guys nope. about what we were doing um, during the winter? No. Oh, okay. Is so this going to be a good story worthy of our time? Have any of the stories no. that we've... No. Okay. So why start now? Okay. Uh, no. I mean, it, it, it'll make <laughs> us look... It'll You'll laugh at okay. me. Um, 
at you. So my wife, we bought a brand new car um, and she really, you know, wanted to preserve it and make sure that we were taking good care of it. Uh, But we live in a townhome Mm -hmm. community Mm -hmm. and obviously no one has a garage. And so during the cold, harsh winter months, Mm -hmm. uh, she bought a car cover for... Took it off every single day? Every single day and had to put it on every single day. I, I did it. They're laughing of, with me, Michael. They're no, laughing with no, me. No, I, I felt like such a such a moron because I'm like, doo, 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 you know, and, mm-hmm. and I would do it under the cover of dark, like when I got home. And Where would I, you put the cover during the day? You I would walk I would, it back into the house? I would walk it into the shed around into the back. back. Oh, wow. Sometimes I would drape That's it over. Sometimes I would drape it over our fence. But it, it there were there were times where I would go, baby, um, there's no precipitation. There's nothing. Could we just not put it on tonight? It's and she's like, like, I guess if you don't want to have nice things. It's kind of like when you get new shoes and they're like nice yeah. and white and you do everything you can until you get the first nick in them and you go, okay, never mind. Yeah. Well, that's why I bought black shoes. What? You have Velcro black shoes. I got Velcro. <laughs> no? There's just like acrylic. I thought that's... <laughs> okay. I don't know. They're... They have laces. Acrylic. They lace. Acrylic They do lace shoes. up. Yeah. Oh, so you have lace shoes. That's nice. He has lacy shoes. Lacy shoes. Yeah. Good. He's basically wearing doilies. Um, <laughs> so today, we we had an interesting experience. Uh, what a word, doilies. Doily. That's a weird word. It is a weird word. Do the shoes match the drawers? <laughs> I don't what? know. No. Do you wear shoes that that pass. match your pants all the time? No. There was a trend for a little while where you, where guys were able to wear an all black suit and brown shoes. That's still happening. That's the worst thing. It's like the stupidest trend ever. You got to color coordinate better. Right. You just look yeah. like an, you just, it's terrible. I went to a wedding recently. Wow. And really? I wore a blue suit. Well, blue suit and brown shoes. That's okay. Yeah. I, but here's the problem. Expected. And I, I know, I know what is coming when I say this and we're going to get emails. I'm sure yeah. probably more than even the race Brown series. shoes go with everything except for a black suit. Yeah, mm-hmm. I was going to wear brown shoes, and mm-hmm. my wife was like, that looks nice, until she scanned up and saw that I was wearing a black belt, and she mm-hmm. said, do not. Well, yeah, you have to, don't, right. I know. every single belt that is sold nowadays are reversible, brown on one side, black on the other, so just get a real belt. I know. And turn it over. I did, but I broke it. I drove over In it. In the wrong direction? No, I it like fell, I was coming out of church, and I had a belt, and it fell off, uh, the thing, not, I wasn't wearing This is it. the story that I really want to hear. No, 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 no. How you're just walking down the street and your belt falls no, off, I was falls leaving underneath church. of I had your a, car. I mean, it's kind of true. I walked out of church with a different change of clothes and the belt fell on the ground and mm-hmm. I wasn't aware of it. And then I backed up and heard a crunch and went mm-hmm. like, I ran over just the end of the belt. Like, I don't know how, like you would go have take to be, $15 and buy a new belt you instead haven't of spending a $80 while. a month on your car. Yeah. yeah. You haven't bought a belt in a while, have you? Actually, or I need you, to buy a new belt. Yeah. yeah. You're going to eBay it again? Mm, yeah. yeah. Uh, used belt, sure. <laughs> used belts. The holes are the same. That's true. So today, my kids, uh, who I'm proud of them, they are now eligible for the COVID vaccine and they decided they wanted oh, to yeah, get it's it. 12 now, yeah. yeah. 13, they're 13, 14. And so yes. they said, we would like to get it and a little social justice warriors. So we went and took them, but I had scheduled for this afternoon so that we can make sure they were fully vaccinated before they go on their mission trip this year. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we were excited about that, but I got an, a text today. All the way to Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. Hey, either way. Um, 
and we got uh what was i gonna say um a text mm. from cvs where we were getting it done mm. saying this like morning yeah. it's been canceled like it's been canceled no because they said you didn't show up and i said our appointment's at 2 p.m like what in the world are you talking about and so i called them and cvs if you're listening which i know somebody from cvs is you got to work on your automated system it was it was really it was really trash all Um, automated systems are trash yeah but like i would stay on it and then would say please wait connecting you with an agent and then i would hear one ring and then i would hear people talking in the background and I did that about four times before finally I just kept hitting zero, 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 zero. That's what everybody is. Yeah. And so I got back and they said, okay, yeah, we can see. And she, she looks it up, asked for my son's birth date. And she goes, okay, well, we have Joy. Joy's fine. But we canceled Jackson's. And I said, why? I, I, I would not anticipate the words, ever have anticipated the words that came out of her mouth after that. She said, we have him designated as a pet. For a COVID vaccine. <laughs> How she is said, that even an option? It's not. On they said we have him in our system as a pet and we don't give pets COVID vaccines. And I'm like, this is the stupidest thing I have heard in a long time. And I said, well, he's not a pet. My wife's first dog was named Jackson. Just throw that out there yeah i mean and and that's fine i mean like we oh i gotta put this in the notes because i gotta talk about this too i just remembered um how long is this episode gonna be i don't know we don't have a guest so we just talk forever and uh you know what cvs stands for what consumer value store now you know i really thought that was going somewhere else so uh so anyway um so anyway my son is now a okay. pet he mm-hmm. did not appreciate that story did he get the shot he did oh, okay Good. poor and so, so it ended nicely sort of we had uh we oh. told them that our vaccinations it went very well when i got it i didn't feel the needle everything was really really good generally saying the same i'm not gonna say what he did because it's a public no he didn't scream but we did he when he came out of it he said you guys lied to me that hurt and I think the problem like is seven inch needle. You've seen it, right? No, I didn't look at it. Oh. I'm not looking at it, but he did look at it. And mm-hmm. I think once he saw it, then he went, oh, this is going to hurt. But now his arm sticks to the refrigerator because it's magnetized. Exactly. Yeah. That's exactly what happens. It, so, you know, I didn't have to get a tattoo. He's got a magnet. Um, anyway, so what I was going to say when thinking about pets is um, mm-hmm. my stupid family is, uh, and I'm including myself in that. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're getting another cat. Mm-hmm. Because the cat that I didn't want to get at Christmas that I led my family to get, we have now figured out is bored in our Mm -hmm. house. And so in order to, instead of just opening the door and letting the cat go explore the world and never see it again, we now have to get a second cat. That makes sense. But so um, everybody, if you want to help us name the cat, we would really like to name the cat something really dumb, uh, primarily like a real name. Dog. No. Well, that's funny. Um, but like in the running, it's like Daryl and Kevin, Ted. It's going to be a boy. It's a boy. Oh, yeah, okay. it's a boy. We've met, we've met him. He's very cute. Although I don't know if you guys are this way, but we basically consider the dogs to be boys and cats to be girls. So, I mean, like we keep, we keep calling the male cat her, like it matters. I mean, like this cat's not going to, whatever. So. All right. Well, good luck with all that. I hate it. Yeah. I hate it. Josie, do you have pets? Next, you'll get an alpaca. Mm. I would get that. My wife would sure. an be emu. totally freaked out. Mm-hmm. 
No, I do not have have pets. My lease does not allow for it. But my parents have a dog, and I live two and a half minutes from them, so I technically get to see a dog. Yeah. (laughs) You're talking about what the name your uh, your cat. There's a a Twitch streamer I watch who's named his cat HP OfficeJet Pro 9015E, all in one printer with six-month free ink through HP+. And he calls them what for short? HP. That's funny. We you should name your our, cat something ridiculous. Yeah. Like HP Inkjet. We we named our first cat uh, Night Fury, not Night Fury, uh, um, Toothless, because he looks just like the dragon from How to Train Your Dragon, and mm. we all call that thing Cat. So I do have What's a story up, about naming a dog. I have um, some cousins live outside of town. They got a puppy. They named him Long Ears because he had really long floppy ears. The dog then grew to have really short ears, and he kept the name Long Ears. <laughs> <laughs> true story all right yep yeah that's wild and magical I've, life you have timothy <laughs> I've, I've met him when he was a grown dog and they would come here long ears and what it's no, like calling a, it's calling a big guy tiny yeah well, well he yeah. had long ears when he was a puppy when we named him like okay all right yeah okay well you know you do you <laughs> you, you know what's around specifically right now that's going to date this podcast no cicadas cicadas right. has also 17 years it's my birthday, but cicadas. Today is your birthday? Specifically today is my birthday. Well, happy birthday. Thank you. I feel sort of like a terrible friend and I didn't know that. I you don't are. tell anyone. It, I don't, don't make a big deal of it. But notice you, but, notice Joe doesn't need to take off of a, a recording of a podcast on his birthday like other people that I know. Oh, it's my birthday. I can't do anything of value today. No, I'm, I'm treating myself. It's, I believe it's pronounced treat yourself. Treat yourself. I, I'm, that's cultural appropriation. And did you do anything to treat yourself today? No. Because he's a man. Normal Monday activities. He's a man. He does, he's not a child that requires everyone to know it's his birthday. I didn't take off on a Monday, I don't think. You, on your birthday? No. On your birthday. We're like, ah, I'm not going to be there this week. We had to move. <laughs> a whole week. We had to move the day of the week so that you could not show up on your birthday. I don't remember that. Yeah. I mean, granted, I you had turned forty, so it was a big one. I that get was a it. big one. But you do that. You do that on your half birthdays. No, almost. I would if I could. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I'm very excited. And well, oh no, I got to tell you guys this. By the okay, way, are you, you're forty one and you're over forty one and a half. I'm forty. You're forty. You're over forty and a half, though. Am mm-hmm. I? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Yeah, I'm really close. No, you're Dang over. it. You're over. I know. I mean, I'm I'm close to forty one. Yep, you're closer to 41 than you I are I tell you what, we have been, uh, Jen and I have been working out and eating healthy again. And, and you're down? Um, I am. Good. I'm down eight pounds. Good. Uh, but um, it's a lot harder when you get old. Oh, for sure. It's a lot. Your metabolism A slows. lot harder. Yeah. I hate it. Mm-hmm. Jen has had to hide the peanut butter from me. Um, I got, I Where, got. Are you a eat the peanut butter out of a jar kind of guy? I Ted Lasso that sucker. With a spoon or with your finger? Finger. Get out. That's I will not nonsense. No, it's like eating Indian food with your hands. Your hands have natural oils in them that yeah. make the food taste better okay. if you eat with your hands. All right. So anyway, choosy moms choose Jif. This I got to tell you guys this story, and I don't know. This is not going to benefit anybody, but it it is good for a laugh. On Saturday night, my kids were with the youth at um, Kings Dominion, and so my wife and I were having dinner at our home, and we have like she's you know you'll. Uh, sympathize with this Tim she's got misophonia so she hates hearing people eat and chew and so we have Alexa right there and we're always playing music at dinner so that she doesn't have to hear anybody make any mouth noise and so I was like hey what do you want to listen I said what do you want me to play 
at dinner tonight. And my wife kind of has a juvenile sense of humor. And so she said, your butt cheeks. And she was just being dumb. She was just like, play your butt cheeks. What? I, it doesn't make any sense. But I'm like, what do you want me to play? She's like, your butt cheeks. And so, and I hope people have uh, an Alexa-enabled device right now. And so I jokingly said, Alexa, play my butt cheeks. And a song played. There is a song. Named? Butt Cheeks, Butt Cheeks, Butt Cheeks Mm -hmm. by a band called the Toilet Bowl Cleaners. (laughs) And I will tell you what. Now, I'll laugh at that. They have a whole album, and it's themed. Their album is called... Butts and toilets. Yes. The yeah. album is called The White Album. Everybody poops. It's, I mean, everybody poops. So you know how the Beatles have the white album? Mm-hmm. They have the white album. album. They have the white album with brown and yellow stains. And every track is about pooping and diarrhea. And you listen to all of it. Uh, at one point, I didn't listen to all of it. I mean, the, the songs are not well done, but they're is about- Is anybody still listening to this podcast? Anyway, if you want some fun, uh, just ask Alexa to shuffle songs by the Toilet Bowl Cleaner. Um, I didn't listen to all of them. I mean, it, it is incredibly juvenile humor. The songs are terrible, but they last about a minute and a half, and they're good for a chuckle. She got up and walked out at one point, and I sat there and just continued to listen because I wanted to see what kind of fresh content they could come fresh. up with along the same theme. I don't think you call that fresh. I don't. It was yeah. it was something else. So anyway, Stanky. happy birthday. Yeah. I wish I had known that. 26. I would have gotten a cake. 26. Yeah. Good call. Nice. Yeah. What did you, uh, do you feel 26? Do you feel like this is a big day or like Monday birthdays suck? No, I mean, I <laughs> I, I stopped caring about For my you. birthdays about three years ago. Um, when I hit the age that I had told myself when I was 18 that my life would be over at, I was like, okay. What I'm, was that I stopped age? caring. 23. Um, Your life was going to be over at 23. Yeah, you know. The uh, good thing is you've been able to rent a car for 12 months. That's nice. Yeah. I, Even though I, during the pandemic, nobody's renting cars. I rented a car in 2018, I think. Sinner. Yeah. No, you just had to pay a whole lot more for it. I rented yeah. cars before I was 25, too. I was an mm. expensive venture. Yeah. I remember. That was that was actually really scummy because I, uh, I prepaid for it, but then I showed up and they were like, you didn't pay the security deposit. And... uh I was and at then you that took time the keys at, and ran. No, <laughs> threw them at him. <laughs> well, at that time, uh, I didn't have a like a credit card that had a high limit, so I had already like maxed it out. Yeah, not even maxed it out. It was like it was just the security deposit was just ridiculously expensive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I had to like put it on my debit card, and I like had no money for for this week long <laughs> trip while I was down like visiting for my sister's Air Force graduation. Wow. That was a, Excellent. You've just triggered a terrible memory for me. Sorry. <laughs> All right. So cicadas. So in honor of your birthday, we have cicadas. I have to ask you because you mentioned this yesterday in your message. And mm-hmm. Josie, I think I've seen some stuff from your folks. I have I have yet to see a single one. I've, I have seen no, a sh- not either. I have seen a shell. Heard uh, them. I've heard them. They are more them. up this way than they are down. I think they're they're like kind of moving from the north south. Maybe. Okay. They're popping. And uh, yeah, I I mean I literally have woods. Yeah. All around me, and I haven't seen one. I have a friend on Facebook who I'm pretty sure the entire Brood X population is living in his backyard. Nice. It is uh, It is significant, the amount of cicadas that he has. What is that? Picture uh, of cicadas on a tire. Is this yours? That's my tire. That was yesterday as I was trying to leave for church. Wow. Um, and there's some like there's some crusty, it, like ran over ones on the ground next to them. There are, there are hundreds of thousands of them. Nice. 
not not exclusively in my yard, but you know, all over the place. <laughs> my friend Dustin, he's got a uh, he's got them all over his yard. I'm not looking mm. forward to it. No, it's gonna be it's gonna be wild. What a crazy crazy, just like existence. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, like I I mean, certainly God's got a sense of humor in so many different places of creation, but. If 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 you're just to think of it, like if the cicadas had like free will to decide what they wanted to do, <laughs> like what guy stepped up to the podium at that HOA meeting and said, all right, guys, here's the plan. You know, we're going to go down, we're going to hibernate for 17 years, and we're going to come up, we're going to make babies, then we're going to die, and we're going to let our kids do it all over again. Like what existence is that? If you're know, asking me if, if I could sleep for a long time and then wake up and make babies and no. die. I would. But they're not sleeping. <laughs> no, because you would sleep through your birthdays and that would just be the end <laughs> of, you would just hate that if you slept through your birthday. They're, they're not sleeping though. There's evidence that they- uh, They live underground? They live underground for years. And actually years. work and play and- yeah, we don't, know how they, we don't know how they figure out when it's been 17 years and it's time to come up um, or 14 years or whatever. Periodicals do all the things, but um, there's a theory that I really like that they can because they they drink tree juice that they um, and they they like uh, broadleaf trees. So the I don't mm-hmm. know what the word is the ones that die every winter and then come back like you know, like drop their leaves. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there's evidence that they uh, they track that cycle of the tree that like tell what year it is and then after the 17th year they're like it's time. <laughs> That's so weird. Such a weird existence. I mean, God is creative and science. Yeah. Like, I mean, I don't know. It yeah. was uh, it's yeah, something cicadas else. and mosquitoes. Why do they exist? I don't know. Yeah. yeah. In all of my slacks that I'm in, um, I, I I made channels called Cicada Watch 2021 for people to share photos and stuff. Um, every slack, it, with the exception of the the church one that I just joined recently. Yeah, you don't need um, to have that channel. <laughs> You guys don't have any channels in Slack. You have general and that's it. No, that's because the ones we're that old. you are able to see. Yes, correct. Yes. Yeah. Oh, we definitely have some that are that are just for the pastors that are Cicada Watch 2021. <laughs> it is Most of our stuff is all business. private. For it is sure. straight business. It is like we are not here to have fun or to be friends. It is communicate and go away. What are we talking about today? Uh, okay, real quick. Um I have to I have to tell you guys this. I think we have solved the mystery of council bluffs do it 40 episodes in we have some listeners who did some not even some real sleuthing they just sort of started to go you know what what if it's this and i don't know if it is appropriate to say this and if it's not we can just edit it out but we have a number of people who listen at a government facility that is near us and they listen on their work computers and they think that it routes through a server in council bluffs uh-huh yeah. because we kind of understand about how many people are listening per episode and when they listen and it tends to kind of line up with a, a certain amount of people that we I'm, I'm having to be vague because i don't want the government to come knock on our door uh and and give come names. knock on our door come and knock on our door we're, we're arresting you, you. <laughs> um so anyway that they, that doesn't make sense to me i kind of said the same thing but. yeah because and i don't think this is any identifying feature but like Certain, most government places, if you're like working with classified stuff, you have a high side and a low side. Right. Where you have like two computers, one of them is the classified junk. 
And that's the one that would I would expect to be like VPN'd in or like connected securely to things all over the country. And then the other one's just on the internet. So I would expect to see that connection. Like even if they're routing out somewhere, I would expect it to be like DC or Nova. Yeah, like a closer. Somewhere um, a lot closer. Yeah. And unless you go, where would you never expect Council Bluffs? Yeah. Well, I mean, so if you want me to be a part of this podcast, I think I've said publicly that as soon as we as soon as we figure out what the deal is with Council Bluffs, I'm out. So yeah. you, if, if you want me to stick around, you might just want to leave the mystery open. That is the working theory, and I think that's what we go with. If anything, just to try to pull the listeners in Council Bluffs out of the ground, right. and it's a closed uh, case. It it's it's we'll find it's out cl- in seventeen years. Yeah, we'll find yeah. out. So it, it's closing, but that sort of seemed to make sense that right, we've we're good. I'm on my way out the door. Get out of here. Um. All right. So hashtag bless. Let's make this quick. Today we are talking about Christians and violence, violence and pacifism, pacifism. and should we shouldn't sh- we should we fight and and some such things. And mm-hmm. uh, we're going to largely look at the Bible, but I wanted to um, open up with a con- uh, a question to ask you guys. Mm-hmm. Um, have you ever been in a fight? And I'm, I'm not talking about just like, a, you know, oh, I disagree with somebody being like a full-on fight, like a good one. Tim? Nope. Never? Nope. You've never gotten close? I mean, I know you, you, you're kind of a... You, in your younger days, had a mouth. You've you've oh, yeah. said that. No, from... I've said that from the pulpit. I was a mouthy kid, but my, I've I have friends, and one of my best friends has always told me the best thing that could have ever happened to me was for me to get my butt kicked once mm-hmm. because I was the small skinny guy who would run my mouth. But no, I mean, I somehow I just stayed. I was fast, so maybe that's what it was. Yeah. I would just run away. But no, never been in a physical altercation. Sorry. I've never been in a physical like real real fight, but I have gotten into a. You've been in a slapping contest. You've pulled hair and you've slapped. Right. 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 Um, but the one, the only thing I can think of is that, I don't remember what year it was, but it was in high school. Um, in the mid-ish, 80s. Late, late 90s, um, I did get into a Yo Mama um, like insult off with someone else at lunch. Like, and there was like a group of people and I was prepared because I actually had a book of yo we're, mama jokes. We're talking about violence and you're going to share a story about a language y- can be violent. Yo mama. <laughs> we went, we went around and, and I'm so impressed now all of a sudden. I'm, I mean, I'm just saying, I mean, I'm swooning over get, here at your manliness here. of being in a yo mama contest. I'm, a, I'm, I'm, I'm meek. I choose to <laughs> restrain my strength and instead I will instead take of you down. Just verbal insults. Instead of verbal insults. And it was, it was more playful like we were just kind of goofing off but it but it did get a, a a reaction as if people thought we were going to fight and i'm going no we're just gonna did you ever stand up what do you mean was it a sit down oh stand yell? up it was stand oh, up. S- we we're going back and forth stood up it like- was a, it was a hair above a dance fight is basically what it was <laughs> when you're a jet you're a jet <laughs> that's it we were about to start having a dance off and, uh, oh, and uh, that didn't, that didn't work. But so here's the, deal. I, I basically put this question on because I didn't think you probably had anything aside no. from the yo mama thing. Uh, I didn't really have anything, but the guy who oh, is into martial arts, there's no way Karate. you haven't been in some sort of physical altercation outside of your martial arts training in martial arts like you guys would actually stand in a circle and yell fight 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 right like you did that well no i so (laughs) my favorite joke and this is one that's gotten me in trouble a copious number of times is that uh when i was a martial arts instructor i would tell people that i ran a 
an underground child fighting ring. fight club. <laughs> yeah, and but your the number one rule is to not tell people that. So. Yeah. yeah. Um, but no, I, I since I started karate, I don't gosh, when was that? Like back in two thousand nine, maybe earlier than that. No, two thousand nine. Are I you still active? No, um, I really thought that was like earlier for you but 2008 2007 okay. probably um it was in middle school um that's right you're young <laughs> yeah 26 okay. um yeah. established then yeah I haven't, I haven't been in a fight since then uh it was the fights that led up to that mom being like all right kid is it oh, because you were, you were a brawler so your parents were like oh, that's it we you need to learn. harness this yeah. energy and focus it and well it wasn't it wasn't even a brawler it was just like one or two incidents and then it was like i don't even think mom knows about one of the incidents she's uh, about to she's about to find out <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah i i broke my hand on some kid's head uh, the key detail being it was here at church um <laughs> and uh didn't tell anyone and then my hand swelled up and uh we had to like go get it casted and it was a it was a whole ordeal man what was it about wasn't even it was just we were wrestling and then i like took a swing okay but like like, like that did was, you just see each other and you're like you hit Fight! him and i mean was there what was the catalyst to the wrestling you hit him and then you went to the hospital yes so good job that's what happens um <laughs> don't don't pick fights kids mm-hmm. um no i be like me. I don't know. When you're in like middle Run. school, you've never had like a oh, we're gonna wrestle and it's gonna like just for like no reason. Like like it was an activity in itself. So so th- there was no there was no angry catalyst, there was no conflict. It was like, we're just gonna wrestle each other, and then now I'm gonna punch you in the head. And so was it was it a conflict or was it just It was I don't know. Uh it it didn't start with any animosity, but you know, when by the time a a, a fist was swung, there was some le- measure of animosity there. Um, so you guys got angry mid fight, <laughs> like yeah, you decided to yeah. fight, and then that resulted in a conflict. There's a lesson here. So See, what, I, is that the one your mom your mom has to know about that one because she took you to the what's well, the one she doesn't no, know? About? Don't you don't have to share all this. So I'll I'll share my my non manliness. I really could care less about any fights. I am not an MMA fan. I don't even enjoy boxing. I've never, like, w- fights at school, I was never the one who would run to it to, like, watch the fight. Yeah. Never cared. He ran away. Mm. And it never, like, it doesn't, it, it I don't even, I, I don't, I don't, it, yeah. nothing. Like, yeah. okay, you guys can scream and yell about that and pay for your pay-per-view to watch it. Like, it's just, WWF, never cared for it when I was a kid, or mm. E, whatever it is now. Just never, even that was the, you know, even though it was the fake stuff. Yeah. yeah. A surprising amount of getting into fights is, like, or not getting in the fights is situational awareness. Um, like I think part of the reason why I since starting karate, I have not gotten into any fights is pretty much just because I never like put myself in that situation. Street smarts. And not even street smarts, just like, you know, I don't, I, I don't know. I, I put my neighbor. money where my mouth is. Yeah. Like, like if I, if I see someone that's angry, I'm not going to like go provoke them some more. I'm going to like back off or quiet down and let them go. Yeah. Um, Cause it's not worth it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Oh, good for you. Well, that's what we're talking about today is we're going to talk about violence fight, and, uh, fight, fight. and, and we're going to debate just, this that's and not even me. So. knock each other around. I mean, we did like the Jerry Springer fights that those were fun. Yeah. But that, that was theater. That yeah. was theater. So was wrestling. Yeah, maybe. Anyway, um, 
so this is it, it, it's interesting the timing because we're kind of in this series and we got another week or so left in this as we're going to talk about. Um, we should be clear. We liked the Jerry Springer stuff back when we were kids. Like we thought sure. that, yeah, like yeah, that yeah. has was, no appeal to us now. But yeah, yeah or it's me not even on. Yeah. I would watch it if it was. Uh, <laughs> I would not. Um, but we've got another week or so in uh, in this conversation, and and so we knew we were going to talk about like this idea of I don't know if pacifism is a right way to talk about it, but just what is the relationship between the Christian and violence, and and how should we live out? What did Jesus do? What did he model for us? And what's interesting is um, I got turned on to a podcast that's actually it's really really good. Um, it's called uh, The Good Assassin. And it's a podcast. It's like a historical, fiction, nonfiction, nonfiction, historical, but it's it's really well done. Um, it's it's like it's not when I say scripted. It's not it's not like us just sitting around talking. It is a a a tight forty minutes of better. Uh, you mean a hundred percent? Yeah. But the the whole story is about in the sixties this um, this guy who was a spy who was called on to basically be a Nazi hunter and go kill find and and capture or kill this this historical um figure in in who was like a almost a celebrity I feel, I feel like there was a, like a series that came out on Amazon not too long ago that was like some sort of like it was a it hunters was, Hunters. Yeah. Is this the same kind of thing? I didn't see the it, series. Hunters. It was like Nazi hunters, right? That's what yeah. they were doing. But this was like one specific, I need to go, I, I need to go find this the guy. The Liam Neeson of kind Nazi of. hunters. But, but the guy who is the spy is like totally unassuming. He's, I think it's like he He's was in nobody. his, he was in his forties, balding, you know, uh, has got a belly. He just, you wouldn't look at him twice. And mm-hmm. yet he is supposed to be this really, really smart, um, uh, you know, in, intelligence officer and, uh, and, and get close to the guy. And I mean, it is very entertaining. Mm-hmm. Um, but what they did is, is they were recounting the, the war crimes and the atrocities that the guy that is being hunted had done. And I found myself over the weekend as I was listening to it, just doing like yard work and stuff really kind of simmering with this sense of, I don't know, I'm sure it's going to end in a way that is, uh, in a way that I wanted it to, which is kill this dude or, you know, send him to justice. And the and hunter I, or the hunted, the hunted. Okay. Is the gonna, Nazi. Th- yeah. That, 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 that evil is going to get, get a bullet in the brain kind of thing. I don't know if that's going to happen or not. Maybe they capture him and I don't know, maybe he goes okay, to prison Black and does a Bart, prison ministry. Get yours. Right. And so, but to me, it was it was really I, I felt almost a little guilty because I'm going. We're I know we're about to have this conversation, mm-hmm. and yet here I am, kind of really hoping that um, that this guy gets Dies. taken down. Yeah, and I felt like we, and I say we as like the royal we that that most people seem to kind of have this innate sense of justice mm-hmm. and just want bad people to be punished, mm-hmm. and often violently. Mm-hmm. That that we would we kind of relish in the idea of bad people getting their comeuppance mm-hmm. and it being particularly gruesome. I mean, uh, let's just go ahead and say it. The the phrase go to hell is a pretty popular one for the exact same yeah. reason you're talking about. Yeah. And and I, I to me when I when I'm you know, particularly when we think about injustices and atrocities that people carry out, we can just immediately go, Oh yeah, no, this person gets whatever they got coming to them and I hope they get it and I hope it's nasty for them and May whatever. He rot in hell. Yeah. And and it kind of feels righteous. It, it feels like, you know, this is this is justice, this is righteous, it is actually holy. But the question that we kind of want to wrestle with a little bit today is is it? 
is it holy? Is it righteous? Is this the way God has ordained us to live? Um, and so does violence have a place in the life of a Christian? Um, I think this is going to be uh, a tough conversation to kind of work through and figure out. Yeah, and let's um, be clear. We, we will find no definitive answers here. This sure. is something that Christians have been grappling with for 2,000 years. Yeah. And you have good, you, I mean, and you have a father and a wife who served in the military uh-huh. and other people, and I have a father and a, a brother that served, and you have a parent that served in the military. And I mean, we, and so we, we come from military families, but we also know that there are good God-fearing people like in the Mennonite community who uh-huh. are full-out pacifists. Yeah. And so there's good God-fearing people on like the spectrum of this issue. So yeah. it'll be interesting to talk through and to kind of struggle through for sure. So I, I want to start us off light. Uh-huh. I sent you guys an Yay. article <laughs> uh, asking the question, is violence evil? And then you sent an article that was all about the Crusades. Well, no, no. But if you notice, I was like, but just deal with this portion of it. I said in the thing, like, just because I, I want to address this one thing, because I think the topic of the Crusades or, or, or holy violence on a communal level will be discussed a little bit in greater detail next week. But the question that they brought up is they, they, they talked about Augustine. St. Augustine had this, who was kind of the, 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 um, the founder of this idea of the just war theory. He was instrumental in, in establishing that. He talked about how violence is not evil that it is morally neutral that it's just a thing and that can be used for good or for bad and so therefore violence in and of itself is not evil yeah but the example that augustine gave that is quoted in this article is medical so in, right. in other words so suppose <laughs> a man has gangrene in his legs gonna die the surgeon believes the only way to save him is by amputating so against the man's wish- wishes he's gonna saw off his leg yeah i don't described i don't describe that as violence that's not within the description of violence for me okay that's good i mean i mean like i i it, w- it didn't totally sit well with me either um but i mean we don't have saints in front of our names so i'm kind of wanting to engage with this and figure it out i mean so sawing someone's leg off against their will is is a form of violence i think the distinction i would draw um for me is like the intent behind the action so uh-huh. like he is he is he is doing this wrong, quote unquote, in order to serve a greater good, which is saving this guy's life. Right. In this perceived example. Um, and I think that's that's kind of probably gonna be where I'll find myself settling. Yeah. Is like what what purpose does this violence serve? Is it for a greater good? I, and I, but I can see that. And of course I read the I went on read the entire idol right. article and I'm not I, I am not well versed in history. Um, the Crusades are something that is just—I mean, I have yeah. a very surface level understanding of, and so even some of this article kind of confused me a bit. But he uses that example and then goes immediately into talking about all the Crusades, where people weren't having their legs chopped off for a medical reason to save yeah. their life; they were being killed and slaughtered. Right. And so I didn't see the correlation between the two, which after reading the article, then I got more confused about why he even brought up this example. Well, I think because his position, it seemed to me in reading it was that he was saying that the Crusades were good. Yeah. No, he gets to that at the bottom for sure. That the actions of the Christians were not wrong. Um, and, And I think that is a highly debatable 
Uh, yeah, a thing. lot of people would certainly yeah. like that. And, I and, guess and, the question is, is you're talking macro or micro good? Right. Like, is it good for that person? I'm going to run my sword through his heart for the greater good right. in the name of Jesus. And I yeah. think that's, that's the ethical, well, not ethical. I mean, that's where you have to square up a scripture on that one. Yeah. <laughs> And so, and that was the kind of thing that, that was frustrating. Is I'm going, if you're going to use an imperfect analogy on a very difficult topic, it's going to kind of immediately break down because, like you're talking about, you, you know, yes, the guy says, no, don't cut off my leg. But if the medical community goes, no, this is really for your good. We are preserving your life. This is a a a kind act. Um, it may hurt you. I mean, it's the same way that that. As parents, we treat our children, which is, I'm going to do something that you are going to feel is mean or sure. restrictive, discipline, but it's for your own good. Yeah. And versus, I'm going to do this for a greater good to impact other people. And that is that is where you know you, you come down to the. And I don't think we're going to address it. I don't know if we should today, but the question of like we kind of talked about it. Like if you could go back in time and kill baby Hitler you know, to, to make sure that the Holocaust never happens. Is that a just act? And that's the really, really abstract. Yeah. yeah, Very much. But, it, but it is, it is that whole thing of, of weighing the moral good or evil of, of, of a person or something to say, would it be just to take this person out of the world if it meant saving millions of people's lives? Well, sure. So let, let's biblically hear it. Augustine, he mentions as a theory of quote unquote, just war yeah. or holy war. Uh, I can't disagree with him in that way, because when we look through the old covenant, through all of the Jewish scriptures, we see God literally leading the charge through different holy wars. Yeah. Um, now, whether that carries over into the new covenant, we, we kind of see, it's almost like this... Um, you know, this kind of de- depression, if you will, like we kind of, God's like pretty mighty in the Old Testament. He's, re- well, he's real mighty in the Old Testament. He's real mighty in the end in Revelation. And then we have this Jesus in the flesh that we have to deal with. Yeah. And it's kind of, it's not easy to square up, which is why, no. which is why I think we're going to try to struggle through it today. And which is why there's God-fearing Christians on all sides of the spectrum. Yeah. So. And so I want to, I want to do this. Um I appreciate you talking about kind of the 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 dichotomy we see in the Bible between God in the the beginning and kind of middle, God at the end, and this whole thing of Jesus and the things that he I, I wanna kind of for our conversation today sort of ignore the the violent God. Um Right now, we're, we're, we're going to come back to it. Uh, I think next week we'll be we'll be in, engaging with that a little bit more. But I feel like as Christians on this side of the cross, Jesus said a lot of things. He did a lot of things that um, can kind of point us in a direction. And I want us to kind of deal with that. Right. So if we're only focusing on the red letters yeah. in the Gospels, not I mean, not even the red letters in Revelation, because right. they're going to come at your heart. But right. the red letters in the Gospel is the focus of today, understanding yeah. that there is a violent side to Yahweh. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And and so I you know certainly I I, w- I will say this about the violence that God carries out um, at the at the end in Revelation I don't say that makes sense to me but um, I don't I don't struggle with that that is you know to me the the violence that God carries out and ordains and directs in the Old Testament mm-hmm. 
I don't, I mean, it is disturbing, but I also go, God is holy. So anything that he does is holy yeah. and, and righteous. So we're not even going to debate that. But I want to kind of funnel down off of this macro level and look at Jesus's life and his teaching. And so over the past two years, particularly, this is a famous story. It shows up in all of the gospels. But over the past, I would say, I mean, maybe before then, but but really in the past 14 months from like the beginning of, uh, or I guess going back to 2020, um, I've heard Christians reference the story of Jesus flipping tables more than any other story in scripture. Tossing temple tables. It is, it is, it is, I, it is almost on a weekly basis, whether it's on Twitter or in personal conversation, that this one incident of Jesus flipping tables um, it has just become like a foundation of, of the Christian playbook in regards to engaging in culture and sort of defending seemingly violent acts as holy in the name of God. So to kind of start off this conversation, I want to take a look at what is really happening in the story of, in the, the, the experience of Jesus flipping tables um, and, and what's going on there. I will say, I, I want to direct people to um, the Holy Post. They actually had a really good episode on this a couple weeks back. And I believe the episode was something along the lines of, um, it was called like table flipping Jesus. And they were using it as like a, a new Christian cuss word, um, you know, or an exclamation and the table flipping Jesus. I don't know, but they really they really did a good job of kind of breaking this down. Um, I want to reference some of that. But when you guys read the story and you walk through again this idea of Jesus going into the temple, seeing what's happening, making a whip, driving people out, flipping tables over, that is something that others have said, see, this is Jesus kind of being macho, bowing up a little bit, doing things, flexing his muscles. So we are justified in doing the same thing. And I want to ask first, do you guys have different perspectives and interpretations on what is happening in that story? Sure. I'd, I guess I would push back and first and say, I mean, you, you're seeing, you say you're seeing it all over the place. I'm, I'm sure there are Christians that are, you know, stepping up with their swords and their whips saying, let's, let's go get them because mm-hmm. we saw Jesus do this. I, I don't know that it's a pervasive mm-hmm. problem with many, I know many very gentle Christians as well. Sure. I'm not saying it's all of evangelicalism. But what mm-hmm. I'm saying is this has been something. You are seeing it on Twitter. And in other places. Okay. Yeah. Right. I'm not trying to throw anybody so what's in the, the question. Bus. So the question is, when you look at the story of Jesus and what he does in flipping the tables, running the money changers out, creating a whip and, and doing all that stuff, um, is that, is what we see and what we read on the surface, exactly what's happening. Is there not a deeper level and deeper context to it that you guys perceive? First off, I think it it, it is, as far as I understand, in this moment, this is the one, the singular moment of violence in the ministry right. of Jesus. Right. Uh, you know, I mean, he speaks of violence in other areas, speaking of hell, gnashing of teeth. He speaks of fire. He speaks of millstones wrapped around people's necks. He speaks of things in future terms. I believe he's speaking towards revelation when he shows up with a sword and his robe is dripping with blood. Um, but this 
in my understanding, uh, I've read through the Gospels just a handful of times, but um, it's the only spot where he is physically violent with people. Every, everywhere else, he's literally laying down his life like a sheep yeah. in the slaughter. Um, and the one time that he is violent and bows up and flexes his muscle is in the temple. And it's in the temple because the temple, he found people, quote, selling oxen, sheep, and dove. And he also found money changers sitting there. So he made a whip out of cords. He drove them out of the temple. This is John 2. Uh, with their sheep and with their oxen. And he poured out the money and overturned the tables. And he said, get these things out of there. Stop turning my father's house into a marketplace or a den of thieves, some translations say. So in other words, he got angry and physical because his father's house was being used for the wrong reasons. Yeah. And he said, my father's house should be a house of prayer. That's why he got mad, right? I mean, yeah. is there anything else to read into that story? He got mad because his father's house was being used for the wrong reasons. I've heard other people teach it in such a way that because of the money changing, because of the marketplace and all that kind of stuff, that the poor, that the destitute, the oppressed couldn't make it into the temple and they were being pushed out. So it was only the people who could actually come in with coins and do business. It was, so it was yeah. only really for the rich at that point in time. Maybe. And that's not explicitly in the text, maybe, but even just explicitly in the text, like this was a religious thing. Like yeah. religion had gone off the rails and so Jesus bowed up. And that's when we see him getting most angry physically, right? Yeah. I mean, so what I would read from this is um in this instance violence was used as a uh to clean out. Cleansing. Like to to move yeah. or to 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 force a change where something was needed. Most Bibles title this cleansing the temple. Yeah. Yeah. Which if we want to look at this let's roll back to that that earlier question about the crusades like in a very broad i please do not think i think this but in a very broad sense um the first crusade was specifically meant to cleanse or to retrieve um the holy land back from uh the the muslims who had taken it over yeah, after manzikirk or trying to go back and get yeah. jerusalem right yeah manzikirk um in like 17 or 1071 um i'm looking at the dates now um and then 20 years later like people are still living there, but uh, what was it? Uh, the the Byzantine emperor like specifically requested help from the Catholic or the Catholic Pope Vatican Vatican, mm -hmm. and uh, it was promoted as a hey, you know, like like the the pagans or like the these people that are not uh, like of God are here and they're they're ruining quote unquote his temple, like these places that God is, and we need to go clean it out. Um, I, I don't know if that's entirely the reason though. Um, so like for me, I, I feel like that's not, that's not a satisfying enough conclusion. So I'm going to borrow the work of, uh, Sky Jitani. I'm, I'm absolutely go listen to what, what he talked about, but Josie, I want to, I want to go back to, there was an episode and I don't remember which one it was, but we were talking about this idea of Jesus and the temple and the whip and whatever. And you asked, um, have you ever, you asked me, uh, living in the two thousands, um, have you ever made a bullwhip? Um, and I sarcastically was like, oh yeah, all the time. Um, no, I, I, I had never done that. And you talked about the process for doing that is not easy. It is not a quick process that there is. And, and what Sky Jatani says is that indicates to us 
it gives a clue that Jesus left this moment. He, he saw the abuses taking place in the temple, and he went and, and formed this thing. It was a methodical, intentional act of making this whip that probably he would have gone back the next day, that it wasn't a heat of the moment, I'm really ticked off seeing all of these things, and that the reason Jesus did this was because he had told his disciples, basically, I'm going to Jerusalem to go get arrested. And this was the provoking act that would result in them going, we need to get rid of this guy. And so that Jesus, certainly, it is a cleansing of the temple, but knowing that it would be the thing that would be the catalyst for them going, okay, now we need to, now we need to act, because he has, he has done this. Um, and so that, that ultimately, that act was not necessarily an act of retribution, an act of vengeance, or done in anger. But it was done in a way that was like, I'm going to be intentional about this. I'm I'm going to do this thing to get the spotlight on me that will ultimately result in my arrest and crucifixion. Yeah, possibly. I don't have the timeline of his ministry in front of me, um, so I'm not super prepared on that. But I mean, Jesus, but we see constantly in the Old Testament was masterfully controlling time mm-hmm. and his timeline. He was telling some people... Yeah. Don't say anything, right? Like, yeah. yes, I healed you, yeah. but don't tell a soul. And then others, he's like, hey, go tell. And so he's like controlling the narrative, which, side note, side note, every single time Jesus said, don't say anything, what did people do? They went out yelling about it. Yeah. Like now in the church, we tell people, please go out and yell about it. And they stay silent. Like, yeah. How, how did we get this so mixed up? Anyway. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. And so I, I want to say, I, I, the other thing too is, and Tim, you landed on this, the target and the recipients of Jesus's, and I'm going to use the word very broadly, violence, because I think if we understand it a little bit better, it's not a sense of I'm really, really angry and I've lost control because Jesus didn't lose control of himself. Righteous anger. Yeah. I mean, the targets of that were the religious people. I'm pretty sure the targets of that would have counted it as violence. Correct. But, Whether we do or not, they probably would have said, "Man, I was violent." Yeah, but I mean, but again, just like our children, they can look at things and go, "Hey, you're doing something to harm me," and mm-hmm. it's like, "Yeah, but, but all that to say, so often people are now using this this picture of Jesus and saying, "See, in the the with the money changers in the temple, he got really mad at injustice." And so Jesus went after the people who were being unjust towards others, and therefore this is a type of righteous anger, and I can model myself after Jesus by going being angry and aggressive about things that anger God. Maybe. Was he angry at the injustice and people not being just towards others, or was he angry simply because his father's house was being defiled? Yeah plain reading of the scripture just says the the temple was defiled. Yeah. I understand the context that I've heard many other people teach and brings, uh, you know, oppression and injustice in, but I mean, even just with the plain reading, it's it's the, the, the purity is defiled. Yeah. But, and, but again, the the ones that did it, Jesus was concerned. And if, if we're going to accept that he was angry in this instance, um, it's towards the people who claimed to be the people of God. And it was never at people who were outside 
of the people of God. His sharpest, either verbally or physically. Physically, we see here, this is really the sharpest he's ever physically. The sharpest verbally is always to the religious leaders, you brood of vipers, Mm -hmm. you whitewashed tombs. Uh, He's always sharpest with those who aren't closest to God, but those who claim they speak for God. Yeah. And I think that is something, as, as I want to talk about, is this moment, because a lot of people are building, and I don't know if the theology is the correct word, but b- building an understanding of violence and righteous anger on this one instance that I think is taken wildly out of context. Is this example of Jesus here prescriptive, descriptive? Is there a modern-day application for us to follow in regards to this scene? Maybe. I don't know. I, I, it, it is obviously descriptive. This is a narrative mm-hmm. of something that actually happened. So that's an easy answer. Is it descriptive? Yes. Is it prescriptive? I don't know how much of what Jesus does is prescriptive. I mean, we are crucified with him, but that mm-hmm. doesn't mean we're supposed to, we're supposed to pick up our cross, but that doesn't, I mean, are we, that doesn't mean we're supposed to be like the guy who literally puts a cross on his back and walks from right. DC to San Francisco. Yeah. Um, and so there's, there's obviously some literal and figurative interpretation in so much of what we read. Uh, but should we care about the purity of the ministry? Should we care about the purity of the church? Yeah, absolutely. I think we should yeah. care. Yeah. Should we make a whip on Sunday mornings? Probably not. Yeah. Probably not. Well, I would I would say, too, that if we are going to model our understanding of righteous anger and violence, which, again, I would say I don't believe that's the context of what's happening here. But, but if you were to say, okay, let's just read it at face value and not consider what is really happening contextually, then I would say— if this was to be prescriptive, then the anger and the outrage would have to be at people inside the church who are doing things um, that are counter to what Christ has called us to or what God has, has called us to. Jesus is not carrying out this kind of um, anger and outrage at people who do not profess faith in him. And I think a lot of what we have seen is a flipping of that to say, I'm going to be angry at the people. And you talk about a lot of times, Babylon's going to Babylon. You know, I'm going to be angry at the people who disagree with me, who are outside the church. And I'm going to act in a way that dehumanizes them. uh, And, and this is honoring Jesus. And I would probably say, I don't think that is how we should read this story. No, because I think I'm going to use broadly the term heathen. I think Christ always shows himself as kind and gentle and patient to the sinner and the tax collector, the prostitute and the heathen. Those who are outside the faith, he is overly, uh, he, he, he is, he, like God, the father is patient and he is tarrying because he does not want to see anyone that would perish. Yeah. Um, but eventually we all will, and there is the judgment seat at that point in time, and he won't be patient at the judgment yeah. seat, and he won't be kind to those who, well, let's, let, me, let me make sure I say this incorrect. He, he will be just, just. just at the judgment seat. Yeah. And so, um, so God is in the business of, uh, of a constant draw towards the sinner, towards the heathen, towards those who are far from him. He wants them. He, he leads us to repentance, not through his force, but through kindness, 
And so it's his kindness that leads those who are far. And then it's his discipline that uh, guides his sons and daughters. And the religious are his sons and daughters that he then requires discipline. And like it says in Hebrews, there is no father, no loving father who skips on discipline at all. And so, you know, that that to me is, is, is extremely telling. And I think kind of the whole, as we've talked about, the purpose of this podcast is to take... Um, uh, you know, shine a spotlight on where we, as the people of God, have have gotten some things wrong. And I think that is, if we are going to model Jesus in this regard, which I, I don't, again, think is super prescriptive. I'm not really sure we should do that. Um, that the target, our, 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 our I don't want to say, I don't know, say violence because it shouldn't be violence, but yeah. um, should be geared towards purifying the church and yeah. making sure that we are solid with where we're supposed to be and and let God worry about people outside the church while we are still evangelizing and 100%. being light to the world right and so we should expect darkness to be dark we should not be surprised when the darkness acts dark but we should also be kind of nauseous when the light acts dark uh-huh. or when yeah. we dim our light and we let God sort it out after that. Um, yeah, I, I would. So if, if I could take prescriptive from this passage, I would not. Uh, <laughs> pastorally, certainly, I would never preach this in a way that says, OK, here's how you make a cord of whips and right. here's how you do this. But I, I think Christ already um, schooled in the scriptures. He knew exactly what offenses were, and he knew exactly what he needed to do. And he's Jesus. He can do whatever he wants. Right. I think for those of us who our stomach gets turned because we see light that is being dim, or we see impurity, we see defilement in the church, I guess my prescription from this would be, go make your own court of whips, but make that court of whips your study of the scripture so that you're not reacting out of anger that would be... Uh, that could possibly be sinful, but go and make sure you are on solid footing and you're coming with ammunition that is biblical so that you can walk up to a brother, to a sister and say, there is something wrong going on here. Yeah. And here is my ammunition, if you will. Yeah. And because our, our um, mode of attack is the sword of the spirit. That's what we have a sword. It's the spirit. It's the word. Uh, we don't really need to make a quarter whips. I don't think. Yeah. I would agree. Okay, so we've looked at um, a scenario or situation that Jesus was in, and he kind of modeled for us. And and again, I think I would be very hesitant and advise against looking at the story of Jesus clearing the temple and saying, "Oh yeah, this gives us permission to do this." I don't believe it does. Um, I think that I think you'd have to take a really broad and out of context reading, and and then if you're going to prescribe that. Jesus was the only one without the log in his eye. Yeah. And so he could yell at all of us for the speck. But yeah. we have the log and everybody else has the speck. Right. And then, so I think there are a couple of hard teachings that I want us to deal with. Some passages of scripture that, as a Christian, we are, are very familiar, but I think we need to kind of wrestle with and understand a little bit better. Because when I when I talk to my kids about this, their response is, Dad, I'm not supposed to be a doormat. Um, and so that... You know, that's kind of where, where some of this goes in the conversations I'm having. So we go so, to the Sermon on the Mount. Sermon on the Mount. In Matthew chapter 5, Single. Jesus is talking to, you know, the people who have gathered around, and he's giving instruction, he's giving wisdom and, and life uh, advice as to basically how to live. And I know as, as a Christian, you know, that kind of comes later, but but th- this is to be the mark 
of a follower of Jesus. And I won't read the whole thing necessarily right away, but in, in 38, he says, you've heard it. It was said an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. We all understand that we, we get it. Then he says, but I tell you, don't resist an evildoer. On the contrary, if anyone slaps you on your right cheek, turn the other to him also. And then he goes on to talk about if someone wants to sue you for your shirt, then go ahead and give them the code. If anyone forces you to go a mile, we understand that whole thing and how the soldiers could do that. You know, go with him for two. Give to the one who asks. Don't turn away. Be someone who goes the extra mile. Mm-hmm. And that, that's a that's a cliche. That's a great phrase that we understand. And we say, you know, as a Christian, we should go the extra mile. But I want to deal particularly with this concept of turning the other cheek because that's not something that we like to do as we read it on its surface. So I included in here an, an article that was on a uh, website, Red Letter Christians, on it's called On Turning the Other Cheek and How It Doesn't Mean What You Think It Means. Did either of you read that? Yeah. Do you want to summarize what the guy's position was and how he interprets and reads that? Because no, I didn't quite understand it. It was okay. something about being backhanded, backhanded. And once you once you got hit twice, you you were in better standing in society because he hit you twice. I didn't get yeah. it. So his position was this, is that the way the culture was at the time of Jesus, um, everybody was assumed to be you know right-handed. You would do things with your right hand sure. because your left hand was unclean. Sure. We'll leave it alone as to why that left hand was unclean. Um, and so in Scripture, when it, when it talks about if someone slaps you on your right cheek, the only way for someone to, someone would not slap you with the left hand. They would slap you with the right hand. The only way you're getting hit on the right hand or with someone's right hand on the right side of your face is if you're getting backhanded, which was supposed to be a, a significant insult. It was to say, I'm in power over you. You are subservient to me. You are a lower class. This was often a master to slave. Um, kind of relationship in that that power dynamic. And what Jesus is saying is, and or, I'm sorry, let me phrase this. What How this guy is interpreting is, is what that means is someone is backhanding, which is just a nasty act and would be perceived that way in the culture. And that instead of retaliating, then your response should be to turn the other cheek because he can't backhand you with his left hand because that would be considered unclean. Mm-hmm. And you are then causing him to recognize, I don't have anything. I don't have any power over this person who has now presented his other cheek. Like I have dignity, go ahead and try it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it, the way that it reads and the way he, he suggests that we should understand it is that it is a form of, and the best way I can describe it is nonviolent protest to say, I'm not going to hit you back. I'm not going to take vengeance on you. I'm not going to return in kind what you have done to me. But I also am going to say, I'm still a human being. You don't get to do that. And that's different than the way that we typically understand the idea of turning the other cheek. I think often we think turning the other cheek means if someone does something to you, well, then I just have to, I have to let you do it. Um, and I, I found that helpful. I, I don't know. I mean, does that sit well with you guys? I mean, I, I hear his point. I've never heard that. I mean, so it's a, it's an interesting take. It's an yeah. interesting take. I, I don't know society 2000 years ago that well enough to know the backhand. I, I He did make a, a point that I didn't notice very often that it, Jesus was specific to say right cheek 
And that's the only time that I've actually heard anybody give context to the right cheek and the right hand and the left. So, I I mean, I give value to it. Um, I don't know enough to call it gospel, but... I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, so it, in in context of the rest of what Jesus is saying, he's talking about not being retaliatory, right? Not stepping up and slapping back. He's also talking about giving more and going further, right? And so it's about giving of your... If you read it in context with the other two quips he throws in there with the shirt and the coat, mm-hmm. and then also with the one mile and the two mile with the right cheek and the other cheek... Um, I don't know. I, I don't see it in the same, that context that he's talking about doesn't fit with the other ones. Right. Agreed. In terms of, uh, I am more than what you are saying that I am right now. That's giving your cloak is not also saying I am more than what you're saying right now. That's just generosity going another mile for someone. That's not saying I am more than what you are calling me right now. That's just service. And so I, I don't know. So I, I, I've, it's an interesting story. But I, only because of the context, not of the time of uh, society, but of the rest of what Jesus was saying. I, that's why I can't completely like hook, line, sinker it. I mean, I, I, mm-hmm. I validate it, but I'm not saying I can. I wouldn't be able to preach that myself without doing a whole lot more research. I think what he's saying is that, it, and, and I think the way he connects all of the other things, because initially that was my same reaction, which is, okay, but that doesn't fit in the context of, Give him your code as well. Being generous. What he's saying is that these are acts as a way of saying, you can't take something from me that I'm not giving you. And that I'm going to, if you, if you're going to try to hold power over me, I'm going to sit there and take that away from you by going further and saying, this doesn't matter to me. But that's, that's seemingly incongruous with like Tim said, with the rest of the passages. The past, the like, that concept of I'm not going to give you something that I don't want to give you, or I don't. Know, it seems to me it's it. The, the emphasis is less on the focus of it, like being an act of defiance, and more on it just being an act of, like, not retaliating. Like, if someone slaps you, don't slap them back. Do this other thing. Yeah. Like, if somebody, if somebody tries to steal your shirt, like. Give them your pants too, or whatever your coat. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, as long but, as the pants match the shoes. Right. Yeah. It, it's like this idea of like if somebody has hurt you, like kill them with kindness. Like yeah. that, that's that's what I read out of it is not not do not retaliate. Like usurp their expectations of retaliation with some some abnormal behavior because like what Jesus is describing is not normal behavior. It's right. it's something that it's like you have to train yourself. You have to learn how to do this. Yeah. It's a, it's a kingdom economy of how one person reacts and acts towards another. Right. So the, the context that I've heard this passage taught in is Jesus is speaking to a bunch of people who are using the law to their own benefit. Yeah. You've heard an eye for an eye and tooth for tooth. And so when somebody takes your tooth, you're going, all right, here's my weapon. Moses yeah. said, I can take your tooth now too, so I'm going to go. And Jesus is saying, no, that's, not, that, that's more of a, uh, uh, like, you're, you're better than that, right? Mm. Like, I, I gave you the law because you're weak, but now my spirit is going to be with you, so you're not weak any longer. And so you're going to be able to do these things of not retaliating. You're going to be able to joyfully serve people. You're going to be able to joyfully give. You're going to be able to be put yourself servant of all you're going to be able to put yourself in the last position and when you do i'm going to consider you first 
I don't know. So, like I said, I, I'm not like invalidating this guy's point of view. I, I find it interesting. I've never, you know, the, the right cheek, left cheek thing that does make some sense to me. Um, but I, yeah, I, I don't. I yeah. So here's not grabbing all of it. Here's my here's the issue that I have with not grabbing all of it because I'm I'm with you when I read it and, and Josie, I like what you said, but the challenge then would be if it's not a sense of I'm going to do this thing in defiance and to say I have dignity, which is what the author suggests, mm-hmm. then the only other solution that I kind of see, it, it happened, I had a, I, not that's only a solution, but I would see other people and have had other people, my kids included, and I would even say myself included, and, and, and older Christians that we know have said this, that you basically are supporting an idea of doormatism that I'm going to allow someone else to do something to me without, I understand not vengeance, but I can't even defend myself at this point. Mm-hmm. And so how do we, how do we make sense of that? Because, you know, it's this idea of if someone were to attack me, am I as a Christian, if I'm called to be a peacemaker, if I'm called to turn the other cheek, am I to defend myself? Yeah, no, and, that, and this is, <laughs> this is the hard hard uh, thought because uh, as you mentioned uh you know peacemaking i i was in a message just recently peacemaking causes us work like you have to work right. towards you have to cultivate peace and uh, so a bond of peace in hebrews somehow miraculously the writer of hebrews holds up christians who accepted with joy the confiscation of their possessions jesus tells you to turn the other cheek but at the same time you've got um you know, you've got other passages, mainly Old Testament, where David's like, thank you so much for my sword. Like, thank you for, mm-hmm. you know, empowering me with, um, you know, with weapon. I, John, like the, the thing that we completely miss from uh, the story of, of John chopping off. John? Yes. Why, why am I having a brain fart? John chopped, chopped off the, the ear, right? Or was that Peter? Peter. 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 Yeah. I, I, when I said John, I was Peter. like, that, that does not sound right. And of course it wasn't. So what's, what's completely missed from that story is Peter chopped off the dude's ear. Peter was carrying a sword. Yeah. So in the posse, in the disciples, in the 12, Peter's just walking around with a sword. Somehow Jesus didn't, like if, if that was wrong, mm-hmm. he would have he he gotten rid of that a long time ago. Uh, and so that like gives me pause. I'm like, why then was Peter with a sword, with Jesus? Why did Jesus allow that? Um, and so I think there's a lot of spoken things that the people who want to bow up and really just like go at people, like there's some things that we really need to justify. But then there's also a lot of other things. It's, it's a, it's, it's a struggle. Yeah. It's a struggle. I, there is no, I cannot, there's the, the amount of study I've done. I can't say that I am justified by scripture to go off and be a willy nilly warrior. At the same time, I can't say that I'm justified to be a doormat pacifist. There's right. somewhere in the middle in the gray that I haven't quite figured well, out. In my I, life I, I don't know. I, I think this all, I think we are taking a, a very, um, macho-y, manly perspective of what pacifism is. Um, I, I, I don't think at any point does it imply here um, in anything we've read or anything that's been discussed so far that that your attitude should be one of a doormat. Like, what it is, is it's taking agency in for uh, your role in a situation in a way that that is, that subverts the expectation. Like, nobody says that, you know, if you get hit in the cheek, you have to turn your cheek. Like that's not being a doormat that, that, that is in a sense, your act of 
of defiance. That is your act of of like you know what you have you have begun this system on me of of violence that we are the world expects me to retaliate, but I'm going to break that chain right here. You want me, you're forcing me to do something that I don't want to do. Like if the Roman soldier would carry my, my, my bag for a mile, like you're forcing me to do something that, that I don't want to do. And you're, you're, but I am going to be defiant and I'm going to go that extra mile. I'm going to do that extra thing. And I'm going to break that cycle right here. Like, I don't know. Um, I think that we have a problem in part with the American church of taking too great of an, of a, this concept of macho masculinity. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think for the three of us right here, we were probably running the risk of, um, or we're probably experiencing right now um, our upbringing with that, that ideal kind of uh, coloring this discussion. And I don't know how to really adjust out of that. Um, but I think, stopping and saying like hey pacifism at no point does it say that pacifism has to be this thing i think that's that's a good first step i'm pretty sure my understanding of mennonites uh will not defend themselves i could be wrong but i'm pretty mm-hmm. sure that's my understanding of the mennonite understanding but that might not necessarily be the right call either no like, yeah that's what yeah. i'm saying i there there are the scripture is very diverse on this subject mm-hmm. and that's why I've, from the beginning i believe there are god-fearing people who are, you know, carrying an AK-47 at the same time there's God-fearing people who are saying, I will not even defend if you knock down my door. I, I just, I, I don't know. There's, it's a, it's a spectrum. It's a big spectrum. Mm. Yeah, but is it possible that on that spectrum some of those people are wrong? Possibly, but I don't know enough to tell which one they're wrong. Yeah. I mean, like, and I, I struggle with this. It, you know, so in this past year, um, I've, I've had conversations with Christians who are gun owners who are um, big proponents of? Um, I don't want to say big proponents of violence. I, I I don't I don't know a better way to say that. I'm not saying these are people just go out and brawl and fight, but firmly believe if someone comes into my house and or if someone comes to take my property, I'm shooting you dead. I'm not thinking twice about it. And that's you know don't tread on me. Don't tread on me. Right. And and yet their position also when it came to COVID-19 was, I don't need to worry about this. I'm not going to live in fear because God has ordained my days. If it's my time to go, it's my time to go. Mm. And my thing is, okay, I, I agree with that. I agree with that position of, of God has ordained my days. If it is my, this world is not my home. I am a visitor here. And, and this is my, I, I think a gift that Jesus, one of the gifts that Jesus gives us is a sense of whatever happens here is temporary. And I have an eternal kingdom to look forward to. So this is not something that I need to get all bent out of shape about every little thing that happens. And if there are people who say, you know what, if my time comes and COVID is going to be the thing that kills me, I'm not going to basically saying, I'm not going to defend myself. I'm going to allow it to take place. But if someone were to come into my house with a gun, you best believe I'm dropping him before he can drop me. And I go, I feel like those two things are incompatible. Can, can I rephrase that? Please. In, in, in a way that I think um, at least makes a little bit more sense for me is I, I think the concept is, um, and I, I've, Oh, I just shook everything. I'm sorry. <laughs> Whoever has to edit this. Um, <laughs> um, I, I think the, the, the issue here is um, 
I at least have been a big proponent of um, of looking to others, putting others before yourself, and and that is the one example, the one case in which I would contemplate violence. Um, and I think we should contemplate violence. Is like there is a tremendous difference between uh, defending yourself and defending others. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know we can follow whatever we want to on that spectrum. But what I see is I see a lot of people who are proponents of like let's use like the castle doctrine, like uh, got guns, you live in Texas, someone breaks yeah. in your house. Like it's, you're protecting your family first and foremost, sure. then before you're protecting yourself, really. Like the concept is that like, if I shoot you cause you broke into my house, I'm protecting my family. Yeah. Um, and that's at least how I think people would generally fall. I don't know yeah. if you feel differently, feel free to email in. But then I look at that from the perspective you, you mentioned like COVID, like, there are people that all of a sudden that mentality of like I'll kill to protect my family or I'll kill to protect others turns into like I'm I'm inconvenienced by this thing so now I'm going to put others at risk like the compassion and the the concern for others is lost in that moment between those two things and I, this is a very large stretch yeah. I, I don't want to some I don't want to say is the real or perceived threat too, because yeah. I think some people um, just they don't perceive COVID as a threat, mm-hmm. um, you know, either real or you know whatever. And so I think some of that plays into it as well. If someone breaks into my home, that's a real threat, uh, but something that I can't see and that has been politicized beyond measure, uh, people see as a perceived threat. Too many. Um, and so I think that plays into the position as well. I, I'll say if I, uh, if somebody breaks into my house, I, I'm going to defend my wife and daughter. I'm going to take a baseball bat and swing as hard as I can. Is that the right thing to do? I don't know, but I'll mm-hmm. ask for forgiveness afterwards if necessary. Like that's my position. Like I'm going to defend. And then if that was wrong, then I'll, uh, I'll repent. All right. So, I mean, case study and, and I'm, I know this is hypotheticals are really tough to deal with because you know it's like whatever. Right. You're you're at home alone, and somebody breaks into your house. Yeah. So at this point, what does turning the other cheek look like? Yeah. Because at that point, you're not defending your family. Sure. It you that at that point, you're not fighting against injustice on other people. At this point, it's me and you. And how in that moment do I go turn the other cheek? I think you're afforded an opportunity that you aren't necessarily afforded when it's like your family at home or whatever. Like there is an opportunity to, to take that step of nonviolence. I mean, I, there are so many, like you could go a million different ways with this, this example, but basically like there is a moment where you can stop and you can be like, if I'm being robbed, I'll just let myself be robbed. Like if I'm getting mugged, if I'm like downtown and I, I get mugged, like if I'm mugged with a group of friends, my behavior I would hope would be different than if I'm just mugged by myself. Like, like, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. If I'm getting mugged in a group of people, I'm going to be like, he's got a hundred dollars. Um, right, right, you know, yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah, right. yeah. I, that's that, that your question is a valid one. It's too big for my head. Right. But I think Joe, you, you touched on a, on a good dynamic with that. Like if, if I'm home by myself and, and I, he, someone comes in and he's weaponed and, and I'm just sitting there, uh, to take whatever you want because this none of this makes none of this it matters compared to my right. life. So here here's what I would say. I feel like the questions that, the conversations that we're having right now are healthy and they're deep and they're nuanced and they're hard and it's I don't think we're going to come to a in every single situation this is what you do. 
I do think not enough people are having these conversations and considering they're hard these things. and they're messy and no one likes to have hard and messy conversations. Yeah, but I mean, I mean not even they're the gray. conversations. They have just decided that in any instance in which I feel threatened, I am, I, I am justified in defending my person, my property, which that they're. Yeah, that's real. I mean, that 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 is a big stretch to me to to uh, to put life on the same thing as, as my TV and and my refrigerator. Like, yeah. well, I know, mean, I would I would protect the fridge. You would probably protect the TV. But regardless, TV. Um, yeah, I I think and listen, this, we said this going into these hard conversations yeah. that we knew was going to be nuanced. We said, if you're listening to this podcast right now, we really would like to hear. If you are not yet hearing your perspective, please email in because yeah. we, w- we would like to hear. Um, yeah, if if you are just a uh, like, hey, I'm I'm uh, locked and loaded and ready to roll. There are there are so many passages which I would love for you to hear, or I would I would love for me to hear you square those up. Yeah. And and maybe you have maybe you're able to and I just have not heard it yet and I've not been able to figure it and maybe you got it. Um yeah, but how do you how do you locked and load and you know you you step 1 inch over that line and you know I'm pulling the trigger. Yeah. How do you how do you square that up with um too many teachings. And and again, yeah. that doesn't mean that you're you're wrong and I'm right. I'm saying is I, I don't know who's right because I'm I'm confused by a lot of yeah. it. Um, but I don't think things are so black and white, which again, pacifism versus AK, uh, I, you know, it's, it's somewhere in the middle. It's gotta be. And so that, that would be the thing is that we would love to hear your perspective. You can email us at goodchristianpod at gmail.com. But as we have said at the beginning of kind of these cultural issues that we're going to be touching on, um, our expectation and our guide is scripture. Yeah. And so Please don't email in with you know a picture of of your arsenal um, and say well, I feel you like can God send it is. In, you, you can send it in. I mean, send like, the we'll, scripture yeah, along with we'll, it to you. Yeah, and 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 you can say I'm as Tim said, locked and loaded. I, my question would be, how do you square that with scripture? Mm-hmm. And and scripture should be included in your reply, not just well, you know, God is you know. God has said this, or I feel this way. And if you're full on pacifist, like, yeah, how do you square that up with scripture as well? Like I'm interested in both of those perspectives. Where, where do we justify a sense of, uh, you know, how do we, how do we walk in, but the, the line between Rambo and doormat. Yeah. Um, did they come out with a new Rambo lately? They did. I thought, yeah, but it was like, he's like a hundred years old. Last blood or something like that. Um, what about the difference between seeking out violence and responding to violence? I, I mean, I would, where I have, this is where I've struggled and, and I will, I know we're trying to stay away from definitive statements as a Christian. I don't think you can justify a, a um, picking a fight offensive violence. No, but is that not what Jesus did? No, I don't think that. No, I will say, I don't think that what Jesus did in cleaning in the temple was him actively picking a fight with other people. Well, let me, I've, I, maybe I'm talking about both sides of my mouth. He, he was provoking them to arrest him. And what I would say, and I'm, I'm going to pull from the Holy Post podcast again, Jesus is able to do that. I don't, I've not met a single other person who can do that well. And, and I would say again, in the context of scripture, if we are going to pick a fight the way 
we're reading into Jesus picking a fight. It needs to be with the right people and for the right reason, not people outside the church. And and again, I am not advocating. In fact, I would unadvocate uh, whatever that word is supposed to be, picking a fight. I To me, I don't think that a Christian should be intentionally looking to fight and to pick a fight. It gets a lot more murky for me when we start talking about defending things. And, and yeah, the scriptural you know, principles of not being quarrelsome. Yeah. I mean, and, and then you have to ask the question about, okay, if you're going, if, if there is injustice taking place, um, is that defensive or is that offensive? Well, it's a real world example that is still going to be, you know, not a real world example. So, uh, if you are, are uh, you're overseas or man, here's the thing, God help us uh it's happening just as much here uh sex trafficking if you yeah. so if say if you were at bwi baltimore washington international and you're at the airport and you're like the like there's that one guy and there's these two girls and you're going mm, what in the this is something is here the spirit is alive within you whatever it may be and you can like you can just you can you can, what do you do like do you do you just let that go or do you step up and wrestle those girls away from the guy and i don't i don't know yeah I don't know, because uh, again, you're talking about seeking out injustice versus we're talking about purifying things. Um, do, you, do you? I don't. I don't know. You at that point in time, would you be maybe not laying down your life, but putting your life at risk? Yeah. For someone else. Yeah. I, and 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 I mean, you know, you can always, you know, uh, armchair quarterback this whole thing. You of know, course. I is, mean, the, right. is there is there another way to do that? Alerting the authorities. Like right. I, I understand. See that. something. Say something. Yep. Right. These are complicated. Mm. Um, you know, I would I would say this, um, and we've got about five questions left, and we're going to get to none of them um, because we've we've run out of time. Um, but I, I would say this. I do want to hit this real quick. This is the second hard teaching of Jesus, and I, I kind of want to land here as we wrap up. Matthew 5, right after he gives this whole thing about turning the other cheek, going the extra mile, he says, you have heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be children of your father in heaven. That's the kicker. And he goes on to say, look, even the heathens, they're they're loving their enemies. They're loving people who are good to them and they're hating their enemy. You don't get points for that don't the gentiles do the same yeah don't this is you you as a christian you have been called to live differently and so this idea of loving your enemies and actively praying for those who persecute you what i do see and what i feel fairly confident in being able to say in these conversations or in this conversation is that jesus does not condone retaliatory action or violence i mean i i don't see a way to justify if, if somebody else can do it, write us, please. I would, uh, this is, this is not something that, uh, you know, I, I struggle with this. Yeah. Um, but I, I, to me, I can't, I can't defend this sense of someone has done something to me. And even though Jesus says, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that is not a conditional statement. That is. And that's the kicker. Do this, love your enemies Pray for those who persecute you, and then the then the clause, so that you may be right, children of your Father in heaven. Right. Yeah, that that gets me. Um, because it yeah. can, it, all the, you have to take the context and say, if you are not doing that, right. then what does that mean? Yeah. 
that if you're not, and, and this is so hard, if you're not loving your neighbor, if you're not praying for those who persecute you, it sounds like what Jesus is saying yeah. here is that um, you don't have a whole lot of relationship with, you know, you're not, you're not acting like dad. Right. Yeah. I, right. No, I get it. Um, yeah. Retaliation is so uh, one of my favorite movies in the last bit is taken. And now that I'm a father of a daughter, I'm kind of scared to watch the movie because I feel <laughs> like it would rise up a whole lot of emotions within me sure. to like go out and just kill everybody. Um, but I guess I mean going to rescue your daughter. All right. Like I, I feel like that, like I, I would probably try to do that as well. Yeah. But what if your daughter was just simply killed? Like what if that, if the character in that movie, like she was, and he knew yeah. she was like, yeah. Would then he then have the ability to go off and to retaliate in my, in me like Tim, I'd be like, yeah, absolutely. 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 I'm going for it. Right. But can I square that up with scripture? No, nope. I don't know that I can. I don't know that I can. Yeah. I wish I could. And if there's somebody out there that can help me not feel bad about that, please email so I don't feel as bad about wrestling with my flesh. I think it all comes back down to this concept of vengeance is mine, says the Lord. And that ultimately... the worst passage ever. It is tough. (laughs) Uh, And most of the James passage is about watching your mouth and doing what you say you're going to do. But but these, these issues to me are so difficult because what we have to come back to as a Christian is that at the end, Jesus will work this out and Jesus is going to do something. And I mean, here's the thing, and this is where it gets even more complicated. You know, for us, we go, I want justice. I want this person to suffer. And it's entirely possible that that person as us not carrying out our, what we want in terms of retribution and taking their life and making them hurt, allowing them to live. Somehow they come in contact with Jesus and their life has changed and we're in heaven with that person. And that to me is something that I just go, that's a brain blower. I can't, I, that, that is something that I'm so grateful that I am not God because I couldn't do that. Right. And here's Christ on the cross. Father, wipe them out. So I never have to see them again. No, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they do. They don't know what they're doing. Wait, what? The amount of grace. How do how do how do you, how do you and I do that? It's I don't. That that is. I don't do that. I don't know how you do it. I don't do. I that. mean, that is that is requiring not of ninety nine percent spirit, one percent flesh. That's that's full on one hundred um, to to <laughs> to get to that level. But it just comes back down again to this idea of we are living in a temporary king, a temporary country temporary existence at one one day god will do what god needs to do um and vengeance will be his and as much as that doesn't solve and and resolve the tension we have inside us that has to be where we go and so here's i guess what i would land on is that we're not we're not settled on this we're gonna have to keep having these conversations and, and working through it and um these are complicated but I don't think we can just sit back and go, oh, no, God is cool with us just blowing anybody away who who hurts us and threatens yeah. us. Um, I feel like all of us need to be having a deeper look in terms of what does it look like to live as someone who is the son of God the Father? Um, how do we treat our enemies? How do we how do we act towards those who hurt us or daughter or daughter? I'm just quoting scripture, but oh, yeah, gotcha. you're correct. Yeah. Um, and, and 
so I, you know, that, that to me is just where I go. We have to come back to scripture and say in this area, and I, I would say, and maybe this is a generality, but it feels right because I would, I live in America. I feel like America and to some degree, you know, it isn't in, in gotten into the church is a fairly violent uh, group of people. Well, I think the world is violent. Yeah. Just but I think human beings and the race is violent. It what what I'm struggling with is seeing the amount of love and justification for violence, and using Jesus, uh, using an example of Jesus that's taken out of context, and ignoring the passages of Scripture that Jesus say in terms of how we're to live. Um, I don't think we yeah. are doing a great job. Yeah, I and mean Romans Romans thirteen. I mean the government is yeah. certainly upheld as people as a as a an institution organization that can enact justice, which I believe includes wars. Uh, it's yeah. how a government enacts justice outside of its own borders. Um, but yeah, uh, that's to just like you said, Rambo. Rambo is seems to be outside of scripture. Yep. And so we need to wrap up because we've gone on so long um, and I have no intention of asking Josie to edit it. So sorry for probably a really long conversation, Um, but it's a conversation I've been wanting to have for a while. Uh, We need to, we need to roll out. But before we do, do you guys have any confessions? It's been a while since we've done this. Yeah. I'll confess that. I mean, we're talking about vengeance is mine and saith the Lord and we shouldn't retaliate and we should just, you know, leave everything in God's hands. I use that as my own weapon sometimes. I can mm. walk away from things and saying, all right, I'm not going to bow up. I'm going to be the bigger man. I'm going to turn the cheek. I'm going to walk the extra mile. I'm going to give, and then I'm going to walk away, and I'm going to be like, oh, but you're going to get yours. Yeah. And, you know, I just, you know, I, I, I have I've never truthfully said to anyone, I mean, I have used the phrase go to hell, like quoting people, mm-hmm. never actually told someone, like, I hope you go to hell. But I've thought it. Yeah. That's my confession. I have definitely thought it. Joe, you got anything? You want to confess breaking your hand on some dude's head? No, I mean that—that's long gone. Um, <laughs> I don't know if that guy's even around anymore. Um, you hit him so hard. No. No. Oh. What? I, I guess for my confession, my confession would be, um, in those instances where you do forgive, love your enemy, turn the other cheek. Um, it's sometimes hard for me to do that. Um, with the right mindset, sure. uh, sometimes, uh, sometimes I, I I turn the other cheek, but I'm like the the internal battle is like Jesus is like dragging me by the foot, kicking and screaming. Uh, we're like, all right, now you got to forgive him, and then like I'll I'll do it, but sure. but I will not be happy, and I will not I will not want to. Um, and I think that's that's the the key difference is um, like at the end of the day, you have to want to. Yeah. Um, and that that is a struggle. Right, and that passage of the three things, it progressively gets easier, right? Like, oh, sure, I'll walk another mile. That's fine. Sure, okay. I not really want to give you my code, but okay, yeah. I'll give you the code. Turn my cheek. <clears throat> That's a hard one. We're working on that one. Your was your guys. I really appreciated yours. Mine is going to be really kind of ugly. Um, so this is pretty specific for me, but um, I, I can't even put a timeline on it. But maybe five years. Let's say five years ago. I read a story about, um, I don't want to get too detailed cause it's, it's pretty gruesome and I don't really need to relive it, but I read a story about a couple in Florida who abused a kid. Um, and it was really, it was really gross. Um, and, and, and just not just the fact that they abused it, but the whole context and what happened and how this kid died. I, I, mm. it was, it was something that, um, I, I remember 
turning to Jen after reading it and going, and this was right around the time that Dexter had ended. And I went, I wish there was a real life Dexter. I wish that there was a person who would just go and kill this person. And I'll, I will confess, I would obviously never do it. Um, Josie calling us macho on this podcast is probably the first time that's ever happened to me in my entire <laughs> life. But you were looking for... I fantasized about it. Mm. I really did. And and every now and again, about every year or so, I'll try to look up and find these people and say, what has happened to them? Mm. And with the hope, with the sincere hope, not that the justice system has worked, but maybe that they go into prison and then they immediately get killed mm. or that they get beat up or that they're or that someone else has the same sense of just wipe these people off the planet. Like these people are sick kill them all. And, um, and that's something that I'm not proud of. Um, it is, it is, I have to, I've, I have to stop read. I I have stopped looking up this couple and, uh, because I I can't even imagine like to me, I'm going, I hope you spend the rest of your life in jail. Um, if, and I hope the rest of your life, I have thought, I hope the rest of your life is very short and I hope it comes to a very gross end. I'm pretty sure all of us can, and even anybody listening can, identify with that yeah. certain stories, certain things in our lives for sure. And, we the thing, done... and the thing is, and I will say this, that seems just yeah. as well. Like that seems like you hurt a kid, you killed a kid and the way you did it. And, and to me, it would be very easy to justify. Oh sure. It, it's natural to feel that mm-hmm. way. And absolutely. It's also wrong. Mm-hmm. It's also wrong to go, you know, and, and that's where I have to come back and say, I need to clean up these thoughts because I can't just sit there and go, man, every time nine. somebody does that, then mm-hmm. yeah. We haven't done a great Christian person in a long time, so let me yeah. just throw this in as just a bonus here at the end. Yeah. Uh, when we talk about Christian Christianity and violence and pacifism, my favorite war movie, I believe, of all time is Hacksaw Ridge, mm-hmm. uh, which is you know obviously a, a Hollywood version of a story of a real dude who actually was in World War II. And if you have not seen Hacksaw Ridge, that is a movie that I can highly recommend. Yeah. Unlike some of the other movies we've yeah. talked about. My favorite war movie, and this is on the flip side of that, is a little movie by Quentin Tarantino called Inglorious, and I'll let that rest of the one go, um, which is exactly, basically, revenge porn. Um, that's not really my favorite war movie. I was kind of joking, but I mean, that that certainly is the flip side of this. So anyway, which go is, see Hacksaw Ridge. Make yeah, sure you look it up on Netflix. That's a very good movie. Um, mine is, uh, I mean, this is low-hanging fruit. This is really, really easy, but I think someone in our lifetime who has modeled what it meant to um, turn the other cheek and still act in nonviolent ways that were still defiant and direct action was uh, Martin Luther King Jr. Um, He did, he had, I mean, and and certainly people can talk about, you know, prior to some of the civil, he might've been, you know, he had some, some instances of violence. Um, But I believe as, as we've read about him and understand him, that his, goal was to kind of move away from that and, and seek nonviolent direct action. That is still this, I think it's such a beautiful picture we've talked about of the backhand and saying, I will present my cheek, but I will do it as a way to acknowledge my dignity and in defiance, still do things that are, um, that, that bring about change. And so that, that was, uh, that's my Josie got anything. Not today. Wrap it up. No, no, wrap it up. Wrap yeah, wrap it hour. up. Mm-hmm. Well, guys, we, we really appreciate... How long is it? An hour and 40? <sighs> I know. Look at the timestamp, people. You'll see it. Yeah. Well, we... Yeah. Oh, good night. Um, well, we got that 15 seconds to edit out of you farting in your chair. There are also children waiting for us in the lobby. And by children, I mean 
college overage children overage children yeah let's we'll clean that one up guys thank you so much for uh sitting with us in this conversation uh it's tough but um we really appreciate your grace as we kind of work through these things and uh if you haven't already uh you know follow us on facebook twitter and instagram at gcp pod and again we would love to hear your well thought out and biblically defensible positions good christian pod at gmail.com Next week, we're going to continue our conversations on Christians and violence with the brilliant and excellently named Dr. Jeff Mann. These are tough issues to work through, but we need to have them as we seek to live the way that Jesus modeled and taught us to live. It's not easy, but it's worth the effort. Thanks for sticking with us as we struggle through, and we will see you next week. Until then, be good. listening to Good Christian People, the podcast. Today's episode was recorded on Monday, May 10th, 2021, by Jeff Higgins and Tim Byer, two pastors living in beautiful Glen Burnie, Maryland. If you'd like to hear more of our content, please check us out online at goodchristianpod.com or by following us at Facebook and Twitter at, at GCPPod.